COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease include fever, cough, and sharpness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you're experiencing these symptoms and have come in contact with or in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Dan Scotland. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCannabisSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at IamCannabisSativa, both S's. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at IC sativa pod you can find and subscribe to our podcast on spotify itunes anchor.fm overcast radio republic TuneIn, stitcher iHeartRadio, and the google play music store please rate and review us on itunes as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs if you like what we are doing please become a patreon supporter of the podcast and support us supporting us helps Helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. And you can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash I am cannabis sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash IC sativa podcast. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have $5 and above tiers if you're feeling extra generous. And a special thanks goes out to our current Patreons and supporters. Shout out to our friends of the show, Reefer Revolution, for supporting the podcast. Shout out also to Joey One Love 420, also a friend of the show and contributor of, of the show uh, and founder and frontman of Keystone State Reviews. Becoming a Patreon or financially supporting us through Anchor, Patreon, PayPal gets you perks like early episodes, exclusives, and shout outs at the beginning of every episode. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. Howdy y'all, Dan Scotland here, joining you from Lake Massachusetts, the heartland of America. So as promised, I said that I'd be throwing a lot of great episodes and a lot of um, great content your way um, in the future. And as as promised, I'm delivering on that. So, um, so today we have a excellent interview with Will Cleeton of Ojai Energetics. So let me read his his bio and give you a sense of, of who he is and, and what he does. Will Clyden is a award-winning pioneer and futurist in the hemp and cannabis industry. He is known for cracking the CBD code by creating the cleanest and most effective CBD-rich hemp products in, on the planet. Will is the founder of Ojai Energetics, a triple bottom line driven cannabis technology company. So um, they they make a lot of CBD products, such as a CBD elixir, one of the only ones that's that's water soluble, by the way. And um, they don't use syn- synthetics; they source their products of the best organic materials possible and um they they make cbd coconut oil and they make a variety of other products that that like like cbd sports gels that are are useful to a lot of folks um so we we talked a lot about the uh, tricks of the trade um for folks looking to get into the cbd industry like 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 i had mentioned in in previous episodes there's a number of, of huge states that are jumping into the cbd game texas is going to be a huge huge cbd market and um they you know people have been able to apply to 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 grow and cultivate cbd for extraction since march um, Ohio recently, um, they signed on to the hemp farm bill. I want to say late last year or something like that. So they, they're jumping on. Um, Louisiana's jumping on to, to my recollection. I 
think I want to say Arkansas, but, um, but anywho, there are a lot of states jumping into the CBD game and I have a wide, wide audience, both of consumers, both of, um, activists, professionals. I have a variety of different, um, listeners. So we had a very constructive, um, sort of back and forth and interview about sort of the tricks of the trade about, you know, sourcing good materials to make, uh, great CBD products and what to look out for when you're doing this. So without further ado, here's the interview. Um, how, how, how are you doing? Are you, are, are you and your family staying safe during this? We are. Yeah. Thanks. Um, in California, up in Ojai, so it's not a bad spot to be. How about you? Um, um, so yeah, I'm in I'm in Massachusetts. Um, it's, it's you know there are sort of a lot lot of cases here, but um, me and my yeah. family are staying safe. I I have I have Good. a huge abundance of masks, so you know I don't I don't leave the home without it. And I wear gloves, and um, so I've I've been all right. Um, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, so, so um, I, I I have like a I have a pretty eclectic sort of audience of sort of listeners to my podcast. Yeah, great. So um, I I mean I'm, I'm sure I have some that are trying to get in on the CBD game, and, and with a lot of new states um, during the sort of farm bill, um, I'm I'm sure that there are a lot of new people trying to get in. So. Um, my my first sort of question to you is um what made you want to pursue a a career in the cannabis and the CBD space and sort of what was like your history with cannabis prior to Ojai Energetics? Yeah, uh, so I founded Ojai in twenty fourteen. Um, I was actually looking for a CBD product for personal use. At that point, it was actually end of 2013, um, and I thought I had to get it from a dispensary. Uh, I put CBD near me in Google, and um, an Amazon bat, uh, banner came up and uh, offering CBD, which I thought was curious. I didn't know how that would be legal back then. <laughs> so then I ordered it, and Amazon Prime fulfilled it, and I said, huh, something's going on. And it didn't have any... Um, uh, C of A turns out that that particular, uh, product would have been coming from in like actual industrial waste product and, and laden with heavy metals. It also had synthetics and fillers and, um, that not something I wanted to put in my body. So I thought, uh, did some due diligence on, on, on at that point, how, um, it was, you know, Amazon was comfortable selling it. Um, this was pre-2014 farm bill, so the the loophole law would be the stock and stem of non-domestic hemp. Um, I thought someone had to have been doing like a, a certified organic or a clean organically ground regenerative product uh, without synthetics, and I couldn't find anything at the time. So that was the impetus um, was to generate something that was uh, clean and effective that I felt good taking that uh, would feel good giving to others. Um, and regarding cannabis, um, I had used it uh, in my younger years in college. Uh, I found it helped me kind of slow my brain down at times, um, kind of grew out of it. And now looking back, um, realizing that I was dealing with an endocannabinoid deficiency like the general population. Uh, due to the oxidative stress levels that are unprecedented in, in modernity, as well as um, artificially removing hemp and high CBD with, with, with THC and the other minor cannabinoids and terpenes and bioflavonoids um, from our dietary intake, which was predominantly coming through feeding it to animals as fodder. Uh, but even go back to Rome, the earliest printed cookbook contains a cannabis uh, flour cooking recipe. Um, and so it's right, it is ubiquitously part of human consumption for millennia, artificially pulled out uh, through prohibition in the 30s. And so we can couple that with the massive uptick of oxidation of modernity, uh, we kind of one-two punched ourselves. So I think, I think a lot of people who found cannabis helpful uh, had just like we, our bodies know when we're nutrient deficient, we don't, we don't know what we're nutrient deficient of, but we have these cravings or desires and we, we tend to the intelligence of our body tends to find 
um, solution. So um, I think high THC, low CBD is very effective for different medical situations as well as it's uh, pleasant um, uh, for recreational considerations or for, uh, it's, uh, I think it's just good for the body in general. That being said, I think we really need high CBD, low THC to properly nourish our endocannabinoid system by increasing um, our anandamide half-life, which targets uh, and competes with THC. So what I've found is people use THC and then uh, they take CBD in the morning, it resets some of the bogginess or uh, memory side because it's recalibrating the body's homeostatic balance. Um, by retargeting the CB1 receptors with the nonamide. So, uh, anyways, um, I've had a long relationship. I think the plant is absolutely spectacular and unique in, in its uh, utility and uh, benefit for us as a species. I think we um, there's really no other plant like it with the co-evolution uh, to the degree of the diversity of positive impact that cannabis provides and how it's really been like a catalytic um, tr- benefiter and transformer of our society through multiple different epochs uh, from the, the material tech side and then subsequently leading the, the micronutrient balancing component as we if we enter a new technological era, oxidation goes up and then lo and behold the cannabis plant has the micronutrients to feed our endocannabinoid system and buffer that oxidative stress and keep us balanced. So yeah, it's a big passion and um, that's the genesis for me. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say I sort of had like somewhat of a similar journey. Um, I, like I've had, like, I've had headaches like growing up. I've had, um, sort of, uh, like I've had, I've had like sort of illnesses that would have benefited from cannabis. Like I had a long bout with sort of sleeplessness and, um, like you know once once i was once once i you know tried cannabis outside of college um you know i i, yep. I stopped for a few years because um I, I you know i was worried about my career and stuff but you know yep. the the yearning like you said was just too much like i mean i tried every pharmaceutical under the sun of my doctors and nothing worked so i i, yep. I became a patient i want to say in yeah, it's 2017, and I, I I have been since. But a lot of times yeah. we don't really know that we have um, endocannabinoid sort of deficiencies, and um, right, you, you know, we're just sort of going in blind. But then once once we actually use it for medical purposes, whether it's you know sourcing out good CBD products like like what you guys offer, or you know going to a dispensary if you happen to live in a legal state, then you know you know the rest is history. But to sort of just like to sort of piggyback off that a little bit, um, like what would you say is like your the audience or the market for your product? Like, like what would you say is like the average sort of like age range or sort of um, what are what what is the general sort of makeup of your sort of audience? Um, I I know in my podcast we try to attract all types, but you know we're especially yeah. trying to reach out to people that you know have a deficiency you know haven't used in a bit and tried pharmaceuticals and are you know maybe a couple decades away or a couple decades removed or a couple years removed from using cannabis and need help on accessing need help on getting the card so on and so forth um so i just want to know what kind of is like your general audience in in, in general yeah um you know we're really given that like a healthy endocannabinoid system benefits every human, right? And uh, the best way to do it is to get a, like an effective bioavailable consumption of a of, of, uh, complex of cannabinoids um, with the miners and bioflavonoids and terpenes, right? Um, so we have a very broad um, uh, range um, because it, it, it's, it's really beneficial for any modern human. Uh, and domesticated uh, animals in, in many cases, but um, primarily um, middle-aged to older uh, women tend to be the household uh, health decision makers. Um, so they, they tend to be our primary um, audience because they're the ones making the decision uh, for health in the household. 
but we work with athletes to um, executives. I mean, it, it, the benefits of having an, actually an effective dose of, of, of a, a CBD rich complex uh, or high CBD complex um, uh, benefits the whole gamut. And, and, and many people have not even ever really gotten an efficacious dose uh, due to poor bioavailability and, and high price on just the fat soluble formulations. But once, once you get an effective dose, uh, engaging the endocannabinoid system and nourishing it properly uh, has such a robust benefit profile. Um, so word spreads pretty quickly with our formula. Definitely. Um, so to sort of get into like like sourcing, like like I had sort of mentioned earlier, um, I yeah. Um, so your company talks about how like like you guys infuse CBD into sort of you know water as well as like coconut oil and and other sort of things. Um, where yeah. is your CBD sort of source, and what advice would you have to like new CBD processors and, and product creators that are trying to do this for the first time? Um, I, I I read like a there's like a lot of new states being added to the farm bill. I know Texas like their licensing process just started. I think like I want to say in March, and um, a bunch of other states I think like Ohio are being added. So. What would you what what advice would you have for new CBD processors um, getting into this um, for the first time? Yeah, uh, so we've got um, farms that we've vetted closely and know uh, that are certified organic. So we're actually um, and, and and primarily in Colorado, um, we have a genetics division that we were developing uh, before I. Uh, helped initiate and co-sponsored California's bill, SB 1409, we had to set up a hemp farm um, out of state, and then we subsequently uh, got that bill passed. Um, so now we've got a genetics hub. We've developed hundreds of uh, different um, chemotypes and phenotypes um, that we're going to verticalize and do like an organic valley-style model. Um, the one thing I think is really important, if you're going to be growing, um, it's certainly a commodity market, right? And, and it's triangulating down very, very rapidly from the grower perspective. Uh, that being said, isolate was really driving that um, commodity downtrend. And um, as demand for more robust uh broad and full spectrum profiles, which is critical. It's uh, CBD by itself, I call it, but it's like the trumpet section. Uh, it's loud, but but in reality, our bodies really need um, to be optimally nourished the entire symphony orchestra with the trumpet section present. Um, and so uh, as demand starts to go into more quality of terpene profiles and minor cannabinoids and, and, and overall um, seed to and soil uh, health, you're going to be able to have a buffer against this commodity with um, terroir and, and high quality focus. So you had a lot of crops um, that people were not paying attention to the other compounds or quality of extracts because they were simply driving it to go to an isolate product. Um, as that comes back, uh, care of soil and, 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 and terroir and quality of extract is going to buffer um, that commodity market, just like we see with grapes. Um, so that's what I would advise is, 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 is take care of your soil, grow it um, and with, with, with care and, and build brand equity around terroir. And that would be um, the best way to avoid uh, just a downward trend. From price side, for sure, def definitely. Um, I, I I listened to one interview or one presentation that you did. Um, you talked about yeah. how you had this like um, sort of like for like in terms of sort of caring and sort of um, maintaining your soil. You have this sort of um, I'm trying to you have this you use this sort of Korean method to maintain the soil. Could you? kind of elaborate on that if you're at liberty to do yeah, so. Yeah, so that was on our yeah, that was on our genetics 
uh, farm in Oregon. Um, so we, we ran that uh, farm uh, with biodynamic principles. So the ferment, um, we were doing basically ferment to a Korean style method to benefit the microflora of the soil. And so when you have healthy soil science, your plants uh, thrive, their expressions become more robust. And you're not only helping the plants, you're, you're helping the entire ecology. Um, and, and by structuring soil with proper micronutrients and, and, and life forms, um, it starts to enable uh, soil health to come back, which is really the most important thing we can do uh, from a climate stabilization perspective. Um, healthy topsoil sequesters massive amounts of CO2. Um, and there's a great documentary called Kiss the Ground um, that goes into the science of that. And, and Dr. Elaine Ingram is another great resource. But um, caring on your soil health really goes from not just final product quality, uh, but overall systemic health, which is what we're all about um, as a public benefit corporation. Why I founded the company is to be a catalyst of good and impact um, multiple systems from ecology to social uh, starting on uh, getting people's inner ecology in balance, but uh, it, you keep that practice at scale in, in, in different uh, realms, such as the soil health. So that's that's what we were doing there. Um, and it was great to see, like, we took the plot of land that was organic, but it wasn't managed, um, and the biodiversity was, was very limited. Uh, and fast flash forward to now, we've got uh, much, much greater biodiversity um, on that plot, and and seeing frogs and, and wildlife come back, it, it's uh, it's really rewarding, and and uh, I, I'm passionate about, it and I hope um, others uh, keep that practice to to regenerative agriculture, and because hemp is such an amazing uh, plant from a from a uh, remediation standpoint. Now, if you're using the plant to remediate, let's say heavy metal rich soil or dirty soil, you never want to use that uh, for consumption purposes. Um, but let's say you've got organically managed soil, it's clean, but it's heavily compacted for monocropping. Um, you can, uh, the, the cannabis plant is what's known as a, a dynamic accumulator. And so it can actually uh, re-nourish the topsoil by mining uh, micronutrients, bring it, bringing it to the surface and, and decompacting the soil. And so it's an amazing rotational crop too it's, uh, um, for integrative management. So. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, so to sort of tack on to, to that um, and to tack on to just sort of like quality control in, in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've heard, I've heard people mention that, or I've heard, like, I think in that same, um, that same segment that I listened to of yours, you were saying that yeah. like many times, um, you, you always want, you always want to have a third party test, but then you want yeah. to test the, you want to test the materials that you have, um, by yourself as well too. Um, can you sort of go into the process, the process that you guys do to 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 do your internal quality control, and um, what would you recommend to people that are new to you know CBD processing or CBD um, product creation? Um, what would you recommend that they that they sort of do um, to ensure to ensure that um, they're compliant? You see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first you want to, like, if you're, if you're, um, let's say from a, uh, product formulator standpoint, um, your facilities should always be run, um, in GMP practices, uh, and FDA, um, monitored. Um, and then when you're intaking material, you should always have a, a certificate of analysis. Uh, from a from a third party lab, ideally it's ISO accredited um, with proper standards. But looking not just at the cannabinoid content, but the terpenes as well as um, the vol volatile organic compounds, the heavy metals, and then pesticides and herbicides, as well as my microbial. And so when you get that from an accredited lab, um, 
that's not in-house of the producer, then you want to uh, cross-check that. That's what we do. We, we, we then validate those results once we intake with another third-party lab and then post-formulation send those out to another third-party lab again uh, for final product uh, validation. And so uh, transparency on that and the consumers demanding to see these third-party validations of the final product, you want to make sure that they always know um, and you know what you're putting out there. Um, and I'd like to see a lot more companies follow the, the, the high bar that we set there. Um, so you can take our lot number on your bottle and go and see the third party results, not just for the cannabinoids and terpenes, but the VOCs, the pesticides, heavy metals, uh, and microbial analysis per batch. Um, and to take it a step further, uh, organic certification is an excellent um, mechanism of another element of validation of a clean process um, because you've got a lot of companies you'll see um, just cannabinoid testing, but you're not seeing uh, heavy metals or, or uh, VOCs or pesticides and herbicides, and the consumer is getting more and more savvy as they should uh, in, in, in cross-checking and validating what they're putting in their body so that it's clean. For sure, <laughs> definitely. Um, like, yeah, it's just it's so important that everyone has like like um, that everyone makes sure that like they 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 test their products and they use sort of the best sort of methods. And it's it's better to overcheck. Indeed. It's better to overcheck than to sort of underdo it. Um, and agreed. <clears throat> and to sort, excuse me, just my throat is. <clears throat> oh yeah, no worries. <clears throat> All right, and um, okay, so I, I think I'm good now. Um, so, so with with that, um, a lot like I, I hear a lot of like sort of stories of people that are like they 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 get the they get the lab. I mean, they they like if they're trying to they're trying to get product to sort of make into oil or to make into sort of tinctures or other products. I hear stories of people buying it, of buying, you know, from a vendor. Uh, it has the test, it has the stuff. And then they, they go to sort of, they go to sort of sell it to their client or they go to make it into their own sort of formulation. And they find out that it, the, the, the product that they have is hot. Or, um, or that the lab work is sort of like, um, or the lab, the lab work is like, like fabricated. Like, what are, like, what are some red flags that people who are in this industry should sort of look for when they're like doing business and, you know, sourcing seed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's where ISO accreditation and particularly like if you're if you're going to be sourcing materials, let's say from an extractor, um, you do not want to be going off their internal labs like they could be great, uh, but that's the fox guarding the hen house. Um, and so that's where getting a, a third party lab to validate that material um, is, is important. Uh, a major red flag uh, is uh, if you see. There's there's a there's one lab in particular that's notorious for this. I won't name names, but you'll see um, the let's say the CBD percentage of of over a hundred percent, and that's just you can't have something over a hundred percent. So that should be a that should be a red flag right there that standards are wrong uh, because it's just that physically you can't have more than a hundred percent of something. So. Um, that, that, that's one indication. And that's, that's where ISO accreditation is, is, is great. Uh, there's still um, um, margins of error on analytics. There's the human element, and, and, and a good lab will tell you there's about a 10% variance. Um, and so what we do is, uh, and it costs more, but it's worth it, um, is, is we will triangulate uh, tasks. So we have uh, labs that we found that are that are solid, um, and then we'll send out to multiple different labs to make sure that they're that the, that the analytics match up. Um, and so that's a it's a method of ensuring that you're you're getting uh, proper analytics and what you, what you're sourcing. Uh, so 
yeah, if you're from a, from a material buying side, you really want to know your suppliers and let them out and not, not cut corners there. Definitely. Um, so I, I just, I just have two more sort of questions cause I, I, I know you're a very busy guy. Um, so could I ask, would, would that be all right? Yeah, please. Yeah. That was great. All right. So, um, so this sort of goes off the last question I, I just asked. Um, so, yeah. um, I remember I, I, and that's in, in that, um, like, in that sort of lecture that I watched of yours, you were saying that yeah. they were like, um, like, like you have to be sort of be very careful because there are some, there are some ways in which you sort of formulate THC, no CBD, where the the thing the thing can start off compliant. Your oil or your your um, formulation can start off compliant, and then the THC can rise up and be and be over the 03 percent. What are some ways that your company sort of avoids that? And what recommendations do you have for people to keep their um, CBD oil at 0.3%? Yeah, so I think what um, you're referencing is, is, is some formulas. If they're, if they're formulating to like exactly at 0.3 and, it's, and they're not getting a homogenous blend, um, there are instances of, of products going hot that way, particularly if they're diluting it with uh, some fat, but then it doesn't stay homogenous, you're going to have hot spots. Uh, so it's really good to make sure that you're, you're, you're running things on, on top level uh, you know, GMP practices to ensure, one, I wouldn't play at that line, right? Um, you play below it uh, for people who are using fat-based solutions to ensure that there's not separation and then hot spots. Um, and then for us, uh, so we, we figured out how to encapsulate cannabinoids um, back in 2014 uh, without using any synthetics and went and patented that uh, process that, that's broader than just these certified organic methodologies, but we, we focus on the best and which is certified organic um, and uh, type of encapsulation process. But essentially we create exceptionally stable um, encapsulations where we have uh, it, it's homogenized in, in aqueous solutions and never separates out. And so we don't ever have that issue of uh, product separation. And then with that, we, the benefits to the consumer because it has exceptionally rapid onset and the bioavailability is, is greatly enhanced through um, that formulation process where uh, people are actually attaining um, uh, efficacious dosage ranges, which most people aren't with um, uh, regular fat soluble formulations. Um, on a fat soluble side, we offer our coconut uh, because it, but from dermal application, it's actually very efficacious uh, to have uh, fat uh, formulations. Um, but for internal ingestion and to get enough cannabinoids to properly engage the endocannabinoid system, where you look at the data, um, it, you know it, the data really kicks in around 500 megs. You can get it lower, particularly with broader and fuller spectrums. Uh, but still really strong data at bare minimums, 250 mags uh, per day, which, which most people aren't getting anywhere near. Um, and so what I, my hypothesis is there's a lot of placebo, which is great, right? The placebo effect is spectacular and, and is good. Um, yet it pales in comparison from an active of, of properly nourishing the endocannabinoid system. But I also think people are getting at these lower dose ranges that it's a truly uh, fuller spectrum extract that contains um, THC below uh, the 0.3 threshold is, is, is Delta 9 THC. Um, when it's metabolite, when it goes through first pass digestion, uh, even though first pass digestion is very destructive of, 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 for cannabinoids, that's why it's got such low bioavailability, only, only 10% um, actually really makes it into the blood. That's the best case scenario. 90% of it's destroyed in that first pass process. But one of the metabolites of delta-9 is 11-hydroxy-delta-9, um, and that compound is actually quite bioactive of very trace amounts, from as, particularly from an uh, anti-inflammatory perspective. So I think the benefits that people are seeing in these, in these uh, products where they're not hitting the mark properly to really kick in their endocannabinoid system from a CBD standpoint, uh, they are getting the benefits of the anti-inflammatory side. 
um, from from the eleven hydroxy. But um, yeah, that's uh, ensuring that you are formulating with proper standards and not pushing that limit um, is, is just um, is important. Yeah, I like that point about about like like being like like. Like if you're if you're being like oh I have to have it at point three you're already messing up because a lot of things can happen between then so you should always give yourself room for error which is pretty good advice. Yes. Yep. And and it's a myth that CBD will like cyclotize into THC and like in the gut they I think that was a really poor study but that that's been refuted demonstrated to be false um so like you're not gonna you don't have to worry about formulation of like thc levels just spontaneously increasing the issue is if you're using a dilutive like you said right a dilutive agent to keep it just at that line if there's separation there then you are going to get hot spots so play it play it smart right yeah and then my sort of like my last sort of major question um what what markets and what states um, do you anticipate will will be big with so many um, states opting into hemp legalization? I can sorry, can you say cut out slightly? What can you repeat that, please? Sure. Um, so what what markets um, what markets and states do you anticipate are going to get big with so many states? Um, um, legalizing hemp recently. Yeah, so I mean, the the the, the U.S. market is, um, but pretty much it, it open uh, from a state standpoint. At this point, what we're seeing is as the states come on, uh, that the, there there's been a limited handful of states that have have um, said no to CBD side. Uh, just in-state period, and, and that, that number is shrinking. Um, but as states get their hemp growing compliance up and those programs for growing the, um, that, that's what we're seeing really right now. The 2018 Farm Bill stipulated that, that federally the law is that there, there needs to be interstate commerce uh, abilities of, of hemp and the derivatives. Um, and so I think the market is going to continue to grow, uh, particularly once the, the opinion um, of the FDA on, on this exclusionary clause, which um, was made the, the landmark cases with uh, uh, a red yeast rice. Um, this clause is the 201FF3BII, uh, and essentially the, the FDA's opinion that, that, that CBD cannot be uh, food or supplement due to this exclusionary clause, uh, we're going to see a, a clarification from them um, that, that the article which is what the, the legal term is in this clause that they're referencing is, is, is not for um, cannabis extracts uh, containing CBD or even standardized for CBD. What it is is that CBD isolated above 96% purity that's legally a distinct article. And that's the only thing that was studied as a drug um, before marketed as, as, as supplement and, there, and there's some some timing issues there too but we're going to see this clarification that 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 non-isolate products their opinion does not pertain to that uh, at which point we'll then open up um, continuation of graphs of generally recognized as safe filings and then uh, potentially INDs or, or, or NDIs new dietary ingredient filings um, and essentially we'll see just a, a massive um, boom of, of the economy uh, stimulated by um, major, major players jumping in. So they're just waiting for that clarification. Um, legally, there's a, there is a distinction. And, and, and so once that clarifies, um, we'll see the big boxes open up and the big drink companies who we know well and we're working with um, rolling out um, products containing CBD. So we're at the tip of the iceberg, and, and, and as uh, states are – Thankfully, they're realizing the, the 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 time is now, and they need to get us to compliance from their growing standpoints. And um, there's still going to be some some interesting commodity fluctuations as more and more people grow. That's going back to earlier of, of really focusing on quality and soil health and telling your story is going to enable you to have um, 
a buffer against just straight commoditization of, of the crop. And um, yeah, it's exciting. Another, like, something that I sort of, like, I've been, like, observing through, like, reading about, you know, have, reading about various markets is that, like, like, certain, like, all the states are, like, most, all the states are, like, their laws are so very different. Like, I, I like, Texas, for example, like, it's not, like, they just legalize um, hemp production. Um, yep. From what I remember, from what I've read, they... Like you could not produce CBD hemp intended for smoking or, or vaporization or whatever, but you can, but it is legal for people to have smokable hemp. So it's like, so I don't know if Texas is just going to be like a, a big area where either that smokable hemp is exported to other states or they are, you know, they're just the tycoon of, of, of making CBD oil or CBD concentrates. I, I mean, I don't I don't know what level of specialization Texas is going to have or other states that have those very varied laws are going to have. But I just I just find that interesting. I just sort of want to sort of. It is. That. I mean, it, we're seeing like uh, where bureaucratic decisions don't always uh, match logic. Um and so it's an education process, right? And so you, there's varying degrees of restrictions. Uh, what's going to happen is it's going to uniformly kind of become normalized. Um, and I think those, those, those bills are going to be replaced with more robust, uh, less restrictive policies. Um, and it, it just comes from each, each state has its own set of lobbyists and, um, historical uh, positions on the cannabis plant. And, it, and it's an education process of uh, educating the differences and uh, science. Because in reality, hemp is just a legal distinction, right? It's not a botanical distinction. It's any cannabis plant whose delta nines below 0.3 on a dry weight basis. And, and that's an arbitrary line. In fact, the guy who set that limit has subsequently come out and said, I wish I didn't set it at 0.3. <laughs> to be more accurate, it would be around 1%, which you see parts of Europe uh, having a 1% policy. Other parts of Europe have 0.2%. So there's a checkerboard globally, and then you have a checkerboard on the state side, but it's becoming more and more uniform across the board. Um, and from a, you know, the from a growing standpoint, you want to figure out what, what your, I, I think it will have some impact on, on, on how you're cultivating and, and what your target audience is. Um, but it's going to continue to smooth out. Um, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how, um, how, how everything sort of unfolds and, you know, hopefully, the, hopefully there's more homogenization. There's, you know, the lessening of the restrictions um, with 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 point three. I mean, it's just like it just I, it just feels like that was pulled out of like a hat, pretty much. <laughs> so the guy who who said it um, in his paper where he was setting this limit, right? Because they we're, we're talking about prohibition being a blip um, in historical. Um, agronomy relationship with this plant, with humans. Uh, we, we've been living in the anomalous period. Uh, before that, it was the most ubiquitously grown crop. So, um, and, 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 and spread around. The, the, basically, the, once the Romans got it from the Greeks, you got it from the Scythians, and it also made its way through the Silk Road in, into the Middle East. Um, anywhere Rome... Uh, colonized, they brought cannabis as, as one of their primary crops to cultivate. And so that spread it uh, into Africa. And there's some evidence already there. And then it, it, it had already made its way through Nordic and through uh, modern Russia area. Um, it spread out and had, that's where Rudialis kind of developed as a, as a um, type. But um, it, the Romans then brought it to the, to the Brits and to the Spaniards and Anywhere that they colonized, they brought cannabis. In fact, the first cannabis laws in the colonies of the United States was you would be fined if you didn't grow um, hemp in Virginia for the crown. Um, hemp was one of the main crops of the missions in California. 
and, and spread through South America. So the when all the utilitarian uh, and, 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 and the, the degree of symbiosis uh, of a relationship with this plant of from particularly the impetus of this of the setting of this point three limit was uh, re- governments realizing we really need this crop for uh, fiber side. Um, the term canvas, the etymology comes from cannabis. Wow, uh, I and know that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the strongest. Nat- it is actually like I, I believe the strongest natural fiber. Um, and and so it also with its antimicrobial, antifungal properties, it's absolutely essential for um, for nautical rope, and, and, and that it drove uh, most of nautical uh, exploration on the planet. We're we're using um, was using hemp canvas, um, uh, and so uh, essentially they had to they, they went wait we need to distinguish between the psychoactive varieties versus the non uh, psychedelic ones. And so the guy in his paper, he wrote down, he said, this is completely an arbitrary line and I have to draw it somewhere. So this is where I'm drawing it. Because in reality, above, it's really the 1% threshold. When you go above 1% THC, that's when you start to get more of the um, psychedelic components of it uh, because CBD kind of blocks that uh, from, from a, a receptor uh, side in the brain at, 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 at certain ratios. And so then uh, he, he's now subsequently come out and said, no, I wish I said it at 1% because that would at least have more logic to it from a, from a standpoint of, of distinction. But it, the guy himself admitted it was completely arbitrary even when he created it. Sure. Um, so is there sort of anything else you'd want like my audience to know, or there's, is there anything else that you would want to plug or you want to add? Um, excuse me. Uh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, really like do your due dil- like to do due diligence and demand, um, high quality. Um, because as, as we're in, uh, still the early stages of, of an industry and uh, the cream will rise to the top. Um, and so to like know the science and, and do the homework and, and pay attention and, and care about quality is only going to benefit not just the individuals, um, but the entire ecology of, of, of the uh, industry as a whole. Um, and if anyone ever has any questions or anything, um, I, I'm passionate about this. So I'm always happy to talk. Awesome. Awesome. I really thank thank you, Will, for taking time out of your day to to talk about um, to talk about um, CBD, to talk about, you know, the process of, 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 pro- of creating it and, you know, processing it and, you know, and, and making sure that you have good quality control. Um, as, as I've mentioned earlier, I, I have a pretty diverse audience, so I'm sure I have some people that are that are trying to cash in on this sort of, of, on, of craze and trying to get into this sort of market responsibly, as well as um, consumers and medical patients that want to get the best products. And, um, and from, from, from the discussion we had and from all the research I've, I've had, I can highly recommend people check out your, your products and because you put a, you, you, you know, your stuff, you put love and, tender love and care into it so um so again thank you very much for taking time out thank you for having me yeah not a problem it's my pleasure um so again i i I hope you have a really um good one and um i i learned a lot from this interview and i know my listeners are going to learn a lot too uh it's it's uh been awesome i appreciate you dan and anytime yeah, and like likewise. Um, I I hope you have a good one. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project, there are quite a few ways you can do so. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to https 
colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash i am canvas sativa podcast slash support you can also support me now on patreon at www.patreon.com slash ic sativa podcast you can support the podcast for as little as one dollar a month we also have a five dollar and above tier if you are feeling extra generous additionally if you wish to get in contact with us you can leave a voice message on anchor and you can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash i am canvas sativa podcast and click the send voice message button and i may just play it on a future episode you can also call and leave a voice message at 617-466-9389 and i may just play it on a future episode feel free to join the ever expanding i am canvas sativa podcast planet on discord we yes we've got a discord channel and that discord channel can be found at https colon slash slash discord dot gg greg greg slash 65TG2NR. Again, that is HTTPS colon slash slash discord dot GG slash 65TG2NR. Feel free to check out Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp based products. You can check them out by the link HTTPS colon slash BIT dot LY slash 33FKRV9. And you can enter the following coupon codes for extra discounts, such as Dog Treat 20, Tincture 20, 40% sign off ISO, 15% sign off CBD. And that applies to the entire store. And if you're in Northeast New England and you're in Eastern Massachusetts, especially, or or, um, Southern New Hampshire or Southern Maine, then you can get some great and inexpensive CBD flour delivered directly to your door very quickly. And you can do this by going to https colon slash slash shop dot boston empire dot com slash question mark ref equals d scotland. And as always, everyone, stay medicated, my friends. Peace out and ciao.